You're listening to Latchkey Kids on the Channel 3900 Podcast Network. Here's your hosts Amy Poppinger and Sam Mulberry. Welcome to the Latchkey Kids. I am Sam Mulberry, and I am joined, as always, by the Amy Popping guy. <laughs> that that indefinite <laughs> or that definite article is important there. Um, Amy, we are back for our fourth episode. I'm really excited about this one. You actually emailed me ahead of time to say I am very excited yes, about this. This yes. is one that is near and dear to your heart. So if we just want to pull back the curtain, we sort of have taken turns pitching episodes and and kind of running episodes. So this is a this is an Amy Popping specific episode. And I'm well, it, yeah, it is in the sense that when you and I, uh, we, as we've conceived of this podcast, really, I think, I mean, in some respects, over three or four years, we would keep saying we got to do this podcast because we would we wouldn't start our conversations by saying let's talk about that podcast we might do we would be having a normal conversation and something would come up from our memories or experiences and we'd be like that needs to go in the latch key um podcast file yeah that it's, we, it's that, an episode it's an episode and so this is i'm excited about this one because this one i think came very naturally and we just again we started having a conversation and it was like stop the conversation because this this is a podcast and i need to say before we jump into this episode the latchkey kids movement is growing oh that's exciting more thank you the, the last episode was bigger than the one before it I like so that. so we're, we are building an audience here people are loving the show this is this is what it's all about well yes and it's just continues for me to be so fun so, so. because of that i'm gonna I, us, I usually say this at the end of the show i'm gonna say it up top you should email us at uh, channel3900 at gmail.com we would love to hear your latchkey kid thoughts your latchkey kid memories yes if something that we discuss sparks a particular memory for you or a story that you kind of, you know, can that is associated with something that we talk about, we would love to hear about yeah, it. Yeah, because it's always great when you have those moments of, and we're going to actually hit hit some of these in mm. this episode, where some, something comes up or you see an image and all of a sudden you are transported mm-hmm. back as if through a magic DeLorean to the past. Exactly. And uh, and we want to know about those things. And, and if you have things that you think we need to see or we need to talk about, let us know, channel3900 yeah. at gmail.com. Amy, what is our topic for today? Well, today, um, so a couple, I guess it's been about uh, it's been about six weeks now. Um, I did something that um, many Americans did during the pandemic. I was late to the game, but I did something that it occurred to me I had not been a part of since probably I was about eight, nine, maybe 10 years old, and that was the process of purchasing a bicycle. <laughs> Oh. Um, and so, I mean, we, I've had a bike. It's just that I've always had, like, over the last 18 years of, the, of my marriage, I've been riding um, my mother-in-law's hand-me-down bike. I had not I had not had the experience of what it is, the, the just exhilaration of getting on a brand new bike. Mm-hmm. But now I have because a couple of weeks ago I got a new bike. And um, to me, it brought back all of these memories of when I received my first brand new to me bike again. And I can't, I can't remember the exact, but I was like eight, nine or, or 10 or so. But I just remember um, getting a new bike, the features of a new bike. And then that really led me to thinking about bikes in general and the biking culture of the 1980s. And probably what was the most commonly asked question of me 
by a friend, particularly a neighborhood kid. So not just friend, like a friend that lives, but more so like a neighborhood kid. And I actually like the idea of referring to it as neighborhood kid because sometimes neighborhood kids, if you think about it, they really weren't your friends. That's right. They, they, it was just proximity. It was all about proximity. So they were your colleagues, potentially, if you will. Contemporaries. Yes, your contemporaries. And a, a, a question that was, you know, a typical question on a Tuesday would be, want to ride bikes? And I, I just thought about that. And I, so, I mean, I guess, I, I mean, I have a lot to talk about here, but I will ask you, like, if somebody asked you that question, put simply, simply, want to ride bikes? <laughs> what did that mean to you? I love it because it, it's a it's a subset of my favorite childhood question, which you would also ask to friends and contemporaries, which is, do you want to play? Exactly. Right? And we will have a whole episode right. about, do you want to play? <laughs> That's an episode. Um, you want to ride bikes is great because it is, it's both movement and directionless. Agreed. Right? Because exactly. it's, it, it, now it, I think we kind of probably need to describe our Care, neighborhoods a little bit here. Carefree and yet intentional. That's right. We need to describe our neighborhoods a little bit here because I think that shapes the way you Agreed. think about riding bikes. So especially when we were younger. And now I'm going to reveal something about myself, um, which is not uh, something that I talk about a lot, uh, mostly because it happened a long time ago. But like I was a kid who deeply struggled to figure out how to ride a bike. Oh, you like the learning process mm-hmm. of right? Okay. Well, what grade were you when you learned to ride a bike? Oh, I don't think I was even in school yet. So I would say I was probably four. And then by age, by the time I know that when I started school in kindergarten, I could mm-hmm. ride a bike without training wheels. I specifically remember that feeling of, mm-hmm. you know, trying to like, like the feeling of achieving balance. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And you? So... At what grade would you think it would oh, start no. to be embarrassing? Oh shoot! To be well, be, just be honest. I am. Don't, I know. Don't be protective. I know. I would say second grade. Yep. I would say that if it was summertime and if you were eight, and this is a 1980s eight. So again, I feel like it's different because by the age of eight, we were like, it's like your early going, 30s. We were going to the pool by ourselves with a pack of smokes, um, or at least told to get a pack of smokes for whoever on your way home from the pool. I, I do. Yeah, I would say that eight is when I would start to feel self-conscious about not being able to ride a bike with, and we mean a bike without training. Yes. Wheels, oh yeah. Correct? Yeah. 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 Okay. yeah, yeah. Uh-oh. Yeah, I was a rising sixth grader. Oh. Like, it was between my fifth and sixth grade somewhere. And I need to say, oh. it was not for lack of trying. Okay. It's not because it, like, never occurred to me. Okay. It's like, I couldn't do it. Mm. I tried and I tried. But... And was was this... Some, okay, but no, go ahead. Uh, but I did get to experience and have such strong memories of the magic moment when it just started to work. And okay. I could... It opened up the world right. of, do you want to ride bikes to me? So I, I, I guess I need to say that because if there's anybody listening here who knew me as like a, a third or fourth grader and knew, hey, wait a minute, you didn't know how to ride a bike until sixth grade. I needed to say that. Did you? Well, see, now this could be its own whole deal. Did you? I'm curious about your process. <laughs> I didn't mean to turn no, this no, into no, therapy. no, 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 no. But I'm curious about your process. For example, did you? spend time trying to learn this you know what i mean did you mm-hmm. recognize this as a deficit and oh, then absolutely. thus set aside time to say this is my private time to go and to try yeah to... The, there because learning to ride a bike is a very public thing now that you think about yes. it I mean, you got to be out on the street in front of your house it's not like something you can do in your basement and it was very clear to the 
like the street that we lived on that like I was not riding a bike and I would still go play with kids who were riding bikes but you kind of had to like yeah it's again I didn't mean to turn this episode into this when you say that you would go around with the other kids were you on training wheels or did you have a bike without training wheels and you kind of pretended you could ride by just sort of always scooching along with your feet on the am I am a person who is so shame driven and you know this about me but well it's something we share in common but at that age I think I was like fine enough with like you know what I I can't ride a bike I don't ride I I don't know if I said I can't or I don't um yeah um I think what is difficult is right now I feel some sort of power dynamic over you in a way, but I'm not cool either. So I don't like this feeling. Usually we're sort of very much on the same yeah. side of something. So did people make fun of you? And again, no. I know this isn't therapy. So you, you, would, okay. you would think in the 1980s with the way we were taught to interact with each other that there was this hierarchy and you picked on the people who were lower than you. And this is just like culture taught us this, right? Yeah. You couldn't have a school yeah. show without a bully. No. Um, and and the bully didn't really need comeuppance unless oh, no. unless the unless the main character needed it, not the bully needed to be yes. brought down. Uh, I don't really remember. I don't remember feeling that bad. I remember feeling frustrated because it seemed like it was fun and I couldn't do it. Um, and, Did you get left behind? Uh, you know, my brother also didn't. I, I guess this is his story to tell, not mine. He also didn't learn to ride a bike until later. I think we were just partially we're both pretty tall and like when you're tall you can be uncoordinated. Now I'm not saying all tall people are uncoordinated. No, no, I, understand I was that, the uncoordinated though. version of tall. So it just like like balance things. Even now balance things aren't great okay. for me. Um so yeah Which just, is why we agreed early on this this um, there will be no episode about the presidential fitness test. That's right. It just wouldn't be fair. <laughs> uh spoiler alert it didn't go well. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so so for me, riding a bike was something that that um, the uh, that that magic moment happened. You know, the summer after fifth grade, right. but then it happened in full force, and and riding bikes became a okay. big part. So again, to talk about, I think the geography matters here. I lived on a block that was kind of on the edge of town, so we had our street was. I think six blocks long without any cross streets. Okay. So it was like a giant, like, so it basically was a mile around our block. Oh, that's cool. It was great for bike riding because you could ride up and down that street, you know, and then eventually you, we, you know, we started, we started to um, venture out further, but, but, and it was, it was also like slightly downhill one yep. way. So like you had to work to ride to the top and then you got this slight. You got the reward. So, so that, that was what bike riding initially yeah. meant when we, when we were first, you know, like, like our, our first ventures out were just, we're going to go to the top and we're going to race back down or things like that. Yeah. So, so the geography mattered there. And then, um, like in any great adventure, you start to explore further and, you know, and you realize, wow, I've just biked further away from home than I ever have. I feel like Samwise Gamgee. There, yes. Right? It's like, yes. But, but uh, you would have those moments and it's like, wow, I, I've never been this far yes. before. How about for you? Yeah. Um, our neighborhood was um, where I grew up um, in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Um sort of like uh, Albuquerque doesn't have suburbs now some people say that but it was very much which is very typical of southwestern towns cities built on a grid mm-hmm. because mostly these are post 1950s 
um, <clears throat> towns, they weren't settled. And that's not, but that's where the urban expansion sort of started, like communities being built, mass communities mm-hmm. um, being built. So, and I mean, all it, all post automobile. So everything was sort of set up on um, a grid system. So we had relatively short blocks, and I mean, it would just everything ran, you know, north, south, east, west. So it's like our street was. Um, our street was east-west, but then one block, you know, but then there was a cross street that ran um, north-south, one block, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. and it, but and it was just a series of blocks. So we actually had a lot of uh, needing to be careful. You cross okay. streets all the time. Similar to you, um, Albuquerque is built on the base of the Sandia Mountains. So um, to the east, which was, quote, the top of our, we, I mean, east was what we called the top of the street, that was higher in elevation because the whole city was sort of, the, the base of the mountains was east and then got lowered in elevation as you went um, to the west. So same thing, you would ride to the top of the street. I mean, and we would just do this continuously, like ride as many streets towards the east to the, quote, top, as we called it, as you could go, and then see how many you could ride back towards your house down to the west without, say, having to fully stop because you would just you would just sort of um, cautiously yet ambitiously, uh, you know, try to get across the cross street before an automobile would be coming through because there weren't necessarily stop signs right. at all of them. And so you knew which streets had stop signs. But we did have, which, which to me, when we moved to Minnesota, this was weird. All, and again, I think it was sort of the, the very much a planned, the, the planned nature of housing there. Every street had sidewalks on both sides. And so mm. when we moved to Minnesota, so many neighborhoods, including the one we moved to, didn't have sidewalks sometimes on either side. And it was like, what are these people, crazy? And that was because that was my experience is there we always no rode sidewalks. On, oh, see, yeah. and we always rode on the sidewalk. Oh, like okay. on the sidewalk. That is so, so learning to actually be able to carefully ride side by side on a sidewalk was definitely a, oh, certainly. a learned skill. Do you remember much about your bike? I mean, do you remember? Yeah, I, I had three main bikes in childhood. Okay. Uh, and I thought I, you meant like at one time, and I was sort oh, of thinking, no, what no. an investment, especially when you couldn't. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> right, right. So, so the first one, and, uh, and this is something, the first one was a banana seat bike. And this oh, was, banana this was seats. A, this Mine was, was too. a garage yeah. sale bike. Yeah. Um, it was a one speed, like it wasn't, uh, you know, anything like that. And your um, first bike shouldn't be, I, I right. don't think, your first bike should not be like a glorious yep. brand new to you bike. Everybody yep. needs a garage And that was the bike. bike that I learned on. Um, and uh, I kind of loved that bike. Um, I was, because I was a little bit older, I was a little bit, t- I was a little bit taller even by, by yeah. fifth, sixth grade. So um, it was, a, it was a kind of a bigger bike in that way. And I, I really, like it had like the big wide handlebars yep. oh, too. Yeah. Loved it. Yeah, loved that bike. Banana seats were really imp- banana seats. My my um, I think two of my bikes, including the first one, and then the the the, the first one that was new to me that I was referencing earlier, both were banana seats. Banana seats were really important. They were kind of like um station wagon or an SUV in the sense that you could get another person on there mm-hmm. if you needed to. So if you were commuting with others, um, you could uh, carpool together with the banana seat. I personally, what happened to banana seats? Because in my mind, they were kind of more comfortable. It's kind of the ideal seat. It is the ideal seat. So is it, are banana seats, da- like, are they dangerous? I like, think, why do we not? Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to answer this question without having any okay. knowledge. I think they're just uncool. I guess. But like, it doesn't feel fair. Everything that wasn't right. cool is new again. Everyone is wearing high-waisted jeans. Yeah. Like to the point where now when I watch old films from the 80s, I don't even 
like my brain doesn't even register what the women are wearing is it doesn't even catch me off guard or look weird because now everyone's wearing that again what's wrong well let me ask you this though you just bought a new bike did it even occur to you to ask for a banana seat no no it didn't you don't think they're cool either i guess i don't and i didn't even (laughs) notice if they had them but i did um my my the new bike that i received um, in those in those important years, had streamers Ooh, on the nice. handles, and I would braid the streamers. That was super cool. And then also, um, it had a basket, which baskets are still around. And I feel like baskets have become a little bit more unisex. Mm-hmm. I want to argue that back in our day, oh, baskets yeah, were cool. something you had as a as a young lady, especially with like a daisy on the front or something. And yeah. I don't really remember what you actually thought you would. All I remember ever putting in my basket was rocks. Right. I never carried anything cool. Because I basket. graduated from that to like a, to a, a Huffy bike. Oh, um, which look was, at you. Yeah, which which was. What, what did you do to earn a Huffy? I learned to ride a bike. Oh, and you got the reward of yeah, the Huffy. Yeah. I uh, mean, that's at Christmas. I always remember that I'm at Christmas time as commercials would change, you know, as commercials uh, would transition over to Christmas commercials about things that you could ask for for Christmas. I always remember Huffy had a new mm-hmm. commercial. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Oh, Huffy bike really said something. So I had that for a while. And then as I continued to grow, it was like, okay, this, and I, I remember that one getting to a point where it was like, this feels a little small yeah. for me. So then I got, I bought I think I bought this myself. It was a garage sale bike, okay. so it was definitely not new. But I got a like a twelve speed bike with like the curled handlebars, yeah, like sure. a racing bike. Yeah, kind of thing. I mean it was a it was a cheap. I sure I'm sure I got it for ten dollars at a garage sale. So like it was not a nice. It was not nice, but it was so much nicer because you could you had the different gear settings yes. and stuff, so you could go up hills with a because even the Huffy was not a was a one speed bike. Yeah, the um, that second bike, kind of a middle-aged bike. Mm-hmm. I feel like bike choices transition. You know, yeah. you, you, we, we kind of mimicked in adolescence and, um, you know, teenage years the same things that one does as they think about cars. Exactly, as exactly. As they go through yeah. later life. That's more of like a commute. That's more of like a commuter bike. That mm-hmm. says something serious. Like yeah, you I can go to up school yeah. on that bike. Yeah. I don't think you would have been taken seriously if you rode your Huffy. Yeah, it had very cool. narrow tires, so like it was harder. Yeah, to, it was it's a harder road bike. To, it was harder to go like off road on a it. sidewalk yeah. bike yeah. as we would have <laughs> That's right. thought of that That's right. in New Mexico. Um, did you? Do you remember? I don't remember really. I'm trying to think if I ever had like bike envy. If anybody had a bike that I really was like, oh, I wish I had. That I've bike. never been like that. I've also not that way with cars either. Okay. So like, I just don't know that I'm like a like I drive a 2006 Ford without yeah. with air conditioning that doesn't work, and I'm perfectly and you're fine perfectly with it. you're yeah, perfectly like, it's, fine it, it with that. Gets me where I need to go. Do you remember what you would? Um, I think it's funny to consider that when when I think of doing sort of imaginative play that involved my bike and this would have been early on mm-hmm. um much early. I feel bad cuz obviously Don't I have, I have several years of biking on you um but we actually would kind of use our bikes mostly in kind of a boring way I mean we would pretend like I got a bike to work now mm-hmm. and then I got a bike home <laughs> stop on my way home to. it wasn't we aspired to it was like I pretended the bike was a car but I did very boring things with it and then as I got older that's where that's where the whole like do you want to ride bikes there was an element of danger in that. You didn't know what that was going to bring. Right. Now, another thing about going and riding bikes that I loved, and this goes to the idea of neighborhood kids being kind of contemporaries and not necessarily like close friends, is 
if you and your even if it was a good friend went out riding bikes, you would collect kids along the way. Oh, yeah. Like people would just be like, oh, look, they're riding bikes. Yeah. And they would pull up. And all of a sudden, by the time you got to the top right. of that hill, it was like, how are there seven of us now? <laughs> <laughs> and like, should we name ourselves? Do we like, do we need code names? Like, like, yeah. Um, we will. That's a foreshadow to talking about some names later. Um, there is an inclusivity to mm-hmm. riding bikes. I feel like you've just got to, you've got to welcome in fellow travelers, mm-hmm. whoever, whoever comes along, they're going to, they're going to join in with you and it shouldn't be exclusive. I think if you've got wheels, you are welcome. That's right. You know, That's for right. sure. I just remember that, um, I just like want to ride bikes, just how there was really no definition around that. It mm-hmm. was sort of like, what do we feel like doing? Again, you you mentioned this, uh, how far are we going to go? The feeling of having gone further than you've ever gone before, which then did sort of make you think, well, how long is it going to take to get back? Because we didn't pay mm-hmm. attention to that. Oh, it wasn't yeah. like, oh, we've got, riding bikes was very open-ended. And maybe this is, again, being characteristic of, of being a, a true latchkey kid. Like, my parents weren't home. So there wasn't sort of the, well, I've got one hour to ride before then we're off to lacrosse practice. Mm-hmm. That that didn't exist. So it was just so open-ended, right. you know? And, and you might say, we're going to go ride bikes to your parents, and that would be the end of it. It wouldn't be, we're going to ride to here. And it's like, no, like, like we're going to, I'm going to be out for a while. Right. And I will come back and I will still be on my bike. And exactly. that's kind of all that it meant. No. Now, what I love about you want to ride bikes is that it is directionless but there were sometimes destinations do you have any memorable destinations yeah we had a um circle k which i don't think we my family was actually just talking about this um so in minnesota like what was the gas station slash convenience store eventually in because i'm from southern minnesota eventually it was quick trip quick trip okay sure but you have your super america you had 7-eleven so when so where i grew up you had 7-eleven and circle k um and i mean they're this i shouldn't say they're the same because i bet there's a podcast out there about the differences between the two but they each had you know they had um their version of um slushies each Mm -hmm. one of them did big their version of the big which I think 7-Eleven is the technical mm-hmm. owner of the Big Gulp. But there was a Circle K. So in, in a true convenience store in that you didn't get gas, you couldn't get gas there. It was just a... Oh, really? Con- I mean, that, okay. It was just a convenience store. So it was run in, get your... Get your. It was called. What was that called? I'm trying now. I'm gonna have to go look it up because it had like a little dog who was with the the slushy machine. But um, get your cigarettes. Oh, so it was an icy ro- machine. I think. yeah, it was like oh, I, you know what? Yes, it was the blue and yeah, that's and, icy. Um, blue yeah. and red icy. That's like a that's like a name brand. That's yes, way to yeah. go. So um, and we would ride there. Um, and I mean, I seriously remember that you didn't need more. That like th- there were these um. You could get the smallest icy for like fifteen cents. Mm-hmm. I mean, that makes it sound like wow. it's nineteen fifty-five, but right. I mean, they were t- it was teeny. But I just remember that you didn't like one so dollar. If, if you had ruse shoes that had the little zip pocket, you could put fifteen cents. You in there, sure could. And that's all you would need. You did not need more than a handful of change. Definitely not a dollar. I mean, we weren't we weren't living on that side of town. But that's kind of crazy to me to think that like that's all we needed was truly like a handful of change mm-hmm. to be able to go get 
something. Not mm-hmm. not a lot. I mean, we're not talking like a roller hot dog or anything like that. But you could go and get something. You could get some bazooka bubble gum. You could get, you know, you could pool together and yeah, buy there hubba was a, bubba. There was a lot of five cent together. candy. Yes, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, bit of honey you could get. I think you could get a couple of those. Um, so that's where we would go. And, you know, and it's just funny because we didn't really hang out there. I think that was something older kids did. Sure. We would just go and get... Um, something and then go home. And I, I, but this I, is where you learned that older kids hung out there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was something that seemed like something older kids did. So you were mimicking their behavior, but you also weren't cool enough to be able to sort of like hold court at Circle K. So you're if so if you were to go back in time and ride bikes, you would drive. Yeah. You would drive. You would ride to the Circle K. Yeah. And get yourself an icy. Is that that would be like yeah. the perfect memory? Kind yes, of thing. I think yeah. so. And then um, I also I also just kind of I was this is kind of like a physiological memory, but I just remember the feeling of of pulling up in someone's driveway. Um, and maybe again in New Mexico, oh, we don't have a lot of grass. So my memories are all about hard surfaces that you could get um, injured on very easily. And how you just would sort of throw your bike on the driveway. Like mm-hmm. using a kickstand sort of seemed lame. It was like, come on. You just. Maybe l- down in the southeast or southwest. Right. But yeah, right. Like we you, used kickstands. Okay. Well, up we, here. I mean, we had kickstands, but you just would. You thought you just would get off your bike and just put your bike down and, you know, the wheels still spinning mm-hmm. and you all run in. And there really wasn't. I don't remember concerns about bikes being stolen. We don't oh. I don't remember ever locking up our bikes. I never locked the bike. I mean, we didn't have anything. I, I suppose you could argue we, we didn't have anything worth stealing in mm-hmm. a way. But I just I, I, totally, I don't know that ten dollar twelve speed that I. Yeah, had. that was pretty good. Yeah. Or you wanted my 15. What you were more so after was the 15 cents rattling around in my pocket or in my room. But um, I do just remember that, though. Like I can totally remember putting the bike down and the wheels still spinning and then running, running off to whatever, you know, was next, so to speak. What about you? What's the well? Our convenience. It's you just reminded me of something, which is our convenience store. When uh, at the time that I was a kid, it's now a quick trip that has a gas station. But I believe it was. A, I believe it didn't have gas pumps when I was a kid, uh, and it was called Country Boy East because I lived okay. on the east side okay. of town, and then there was Country Boy, Boy West. West, which is I'd never actually ventured to country i've never it, been to country boy west even, even, i, <laughs> I, I heard other people speak of it but i had never been there so so we, only in your dreams that's right we would imagine. we would go there i um my favorite thing was was cherry coke i remember oh, I that love cherry that coke. came out in the yep. mid 80s i think 1985 was the first time i yep. had a cherry coke so like that was a that was a go-to um and i remember getting um like you get like a can of soda it was more expensive than fifteen cents. Yeah, well, I was. Yeah, I would yeah. say a can of soda. I remember at school, a can of soda was fifty cents. Yeah, and that's I think that's I what it was there mm-hmm. too. But I remember lots of um, at least one summer there was a, pro- a Coke promotion where like you you drink the soda and on the bottom of the can on the inside there would be sometimes things in there and it would be like free Coke. And so I remember yep. I remember going to the Country Boy with my free Coke can and getting a cherry coke for free and just thinking like what a good feeling how like amazing this was and then drinking and this actually happened drinking the next one and opening and realizing i got another free oh one. my word and you just, just sat like, there yeah and it was like this is this is the greatest thing that's ever happened to me so so that was my go-to um i just a note i remember the first time i had canned cherry coke and canned cherry coke did not taste say like a coke with grenadine like if you got sure. to order a cherry coke on a special occasion um at a restaurant, but I remember thinking, this is different 
but it's pretty great. Mm-hmm. It didn't bother me, but it didn't taste, you know, it wasn't it wasn't the same taste as um as like a a, a made for you cherry coke, but it was it was really good in its own way. Golly, I really enjoyed your now. One thing Coke we ha- very much. one thing we haven't mentioned here is when you pulled into the uh, Circle K, yeah. and you threw your bike down and its wheel was spinning. Did you throw off your helmet too? <laughs> no, I mean, are you crazy? Who wore helmets? There yeah. weren't helmets. Yeah, I would say I didn't. Oh no, it wasn't like we were being rebellious not no, wearing helmets. No. There were not helmets. There weren't helmets. Um, yeah, I mean, so if you think about that, when I think of bike helmets in the 80s, bike helmets were, I guess, if you were a professional. If you're like a racer. If you, you were a, a racer, dirt biking, mm-hmm. perhaps. But we didn't have helmets. Yeah. No. Uh-uh. Wow. That And that's such a different, I mean, it, how much different would do you want to ride bikes feel if everybody strapped on a helmet? strapped on a helmet. Very different. Yeah. That definitely brings a different a different sort of vibe into it. Um, you know, it's like the bike, and I don't remember ever even really being, I mean, I'm sure that we were warned, like, be careful on your bike, but it's not as if there was a national campaign right. warning you about scary bike behavior. Um, I don't remember any after-school specials about what happened right. to Jimmy when he wrecked on his bike. Now I need I, to say I need to say in two thousand yes, in two thousand twenty one pro bike helmet we're not like saying no. oh kids are soft it's just wasn't it's a just thing. it just wasn't a thing yeah. I mean we lived with out bike helmets sharp corners on coffee tables it's yeah. just it's amazing that any of us we lost survived. some good folks along the way though we because did. of it and so. a lot of glass and chrome <laughs> yes right. indeed no, did you ever have that's... a bike accident. Oh, sure. What, yeah. was, what, was your, what was your biggest bike Oh, accident? definitely an over-the-handlebar situation. Um, just going off. Okay, so again, sidewalk riding all the time, basically. So as you would veer on and off the sidewalk, you would go down the curb in someone's driveway. So everyone's driveway, you know, was built up a mm-hmm. little bit because of the cement sidewalks. And so catching, g- cutting out off the sidewalk to go into the street through someone's driveway catching the curb just wrong um, and then an over the handlebar situation and then landing on both of my forearms um, and my chin. I'm like touching my chin right now. So um, no head injury, but like fully, fully like all the skin on my chin, all the skin on my forearms and just massive, massive scabs and picking the gravel. I mean, Mm -hmm. I can totally remember Mm -hmm. like picking the gravel out of your forearms and just that moment of kind of dumbfounded, like looking at your injuries and then the tears come because you looked. Right. You realize what's happened and you look at your injuries. Yeah. And you? Uh, mine, we were going down the hill. Okay. Um, and I was I was with somebody, and I won't name them, and they, I didn't know they were going to do this, but they took a hard turn okay. into me, oh, basically. Great. And so I hit their front wheel and went yep. over the handlebars. The over and the I, handlebars. I don't know how I landed. I must have, like, come close to landing on my feet because what the big injury was, I sprained my ankle really bad. Um, and ever since then, I actually have bad a bad right ankle. Oh my goodness! Like, like throughout high school basketball, I would turn my ankles all the time. So, and I, I attribute oh. it to that. That it's like I injured it there, and then it just never was as strong as. Sometimes I'll just be walking, and my ankle will just turn over. Um, it's usually not that bad, but um, yeah, again, not a graceful person, but like well, that didn't help. I think that um, 
I am, I am though, a, and I'm still this way. I'm a timid bike rider. Like I don't, I would never want to be a cyclist. It holds zero appeal to me. Biking is for me solely recreational. It's something to do with my family. But I am definitely afraid, actually, of like cycling. Mm-hmm. I because and and I think maybe it's because for me, my worst injuries due to anything we could call sport were definitely on. The, the bike apparatus. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I still like, even right now, I'm like, why did we, Yeah, I don't need that. Why did I buy it that bike? Easy. I certainly don't need it. Something else that is um, interesting uh, and I think unique about the 1980s is how, I mean, bikes being a big part, I think, of culture definitely found their way into into film and television. Absolutely. But it's important for us to talk about the role of bikes in film. So, um, I mean, do, when you think about this, are there just quickly any movies that come to the forefront of your mind There's, where, where biking, play, maybe it's not, we're going to move into like the central role, yes. but like where it plays an ancillary role. It's well, a supporting. The, the most iconic, arguably the most iconic kids movie image of the 1980s is kids going out to ride bikes, yes. which is E.T. <clears throat> E.T., E.T., the role of bikes in E.T., other ones that came to my mind were the role of bikes and, um, like, just, they're, more of the movie is about them walking, but, like, stand by me. Mm -hmm. Bikes play a role for a part of it, obviously, in Back to the Future, Marty McFly just has a bike, you know, when we... It was um, a skateboard. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) See, you're here for the (laughs) fact-checking. I don't think Marty McFly rides a bike Oh, you know who I'm thinking of? I'm thinking of, um, I'm thinking of... um, in uh oh goonies do you remember in goonies that josh brolin pra- plays the older brother mm-hmm. and he just has a bike i think that's what yeah. i was actually thinking of. my apologies i think george wingfly in the 50s has a bike. yes you're right you're right about that no so um so bikes are uh, bikes are always there like there's gonna be a biking scene i feel like but there are some movies where well, it's interesting because even if let, let's go back to goonies for a second okay. i don't think the 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 titular Goonies have a bike riding scene. No, but you know that they rode bikes. Well, like, but like you just like you knew like it was in the air. But there's there. in the scene where Bran, the older brother, mm-hmm. gets. Um, I can't remember what the. Um, pardon my French here, the douchebag role mm-hmm. was played by Troy. His name was Troy. Of course it was. And Bran is is biking and Troy rolls up in his convertible and then holds his hand on Bran mm-hmm. and then speeds up. Oh, yeah. Bran has to keep cycling to keep up. And then they turn a corner and Bran flies out right, and we don't right. know what happened to Amy, him. So yeah. how have we forgotten the most iconic bike? Well. Daniel LaRusso. Absolutely, yes. <laughs> the bike plays a major role. The bike role. plays a major role in Karate Kid. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's an so, episode in and of itself. That is an episode in and of itself. I think we, when we talk about 80s transportation and just looking at different types of um, cars in but the then 80s. There, but then there are bike-centric movies yes. from the 1980s. Yes. So um, I have uh, – I want to talk about three in particular. And so these are three films, two of which I do remember, two of which I remember seeing. One I, I did not, but um, you did. So yes. that's definitely going to help. But um, 
The first movie that we are going to talk about is a movie called BMX Bandits. Which and, is a great title. Which is a great title. And you said you don't remember BMX Bandits. I or don't, you don't think remember, I've ever seen this. Okay, no. but you remember the importance of BMX. Oh, I remember the importance of just, BMX. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. So BMX Bandits is a film that came out in um, 1983. Um, the plot involves three young BMX enthusiasts who stumble across a set of walkie-talkies, of course, which unbeknownst to them actually belong to a gang of bank robbers. So, um, I love how much this feels like loosely like No Country for Old exactly. Men. Exactly, yes, right. <laughs> the walkie-talkies so, are basically a bag full of money. They are, indeed. Um, so the youngsters take the walkie-talkies, but when the robbers find out, they set out to recover them at any cost because their whole operation is based on these walkie-talkies, which is sort of fascinating, right? Because I'm not sure what sort of information, what, what sort of privileged information the walkie-talkies maybe hold. But as the hunt for the walkie-talkies goes on, there's just lots of action-packed chases, kids on their BMX, um, like, riding rings around the villains because it, this is, you know, the kids' um, expertise is their BMX bikes, mm-hmm. which they really wield like weapons in this film. So... Um, Can we talk about the the, the poster art Yeah, for please. This? Because this stood out to me. This looks like, uh, I mean, it's so classically 1980s in that it also looks like this could be the box for a BMX video game. Absolutely. There's this. Like, it also looks like a cereal box. It kind of does, yeah. There's this, like, grid. Um, and I don't know why in the 1980s we were we were obsessed with enamored with, like, grid. this, like, grid. I think it's the, it's, like, it's computer. Future, yeah, it yeah. says something futuristic. The grid does. Even though BMX biking is not particularly... Fe- it's just not Tron. <laughs> no, no, it is not. But it's um, it definitely... Um, BMX Bandits, a high-flying ride to adventure. Yes. So um, there is... There's a, a young woman featured prominently in the middle of the poster, and then she's flanked on either side by a young... Um, a young man with brown hair and a young guy with blonde hair. And then you can see some of the adventurous moments that happen in the background. But Sam, if you would, please, I think we're going to go ahead and we're going to watch the BMX Bandits trailer. All right. Here we go. Oh, oh. Okay, and that's all we have there. Sam, can you just describe a little bit of what you saw there and how that might help you understand the plot of this film? It's so weird because you see, like, bike racers, you see explosions, you see that it's like the the BMX bikers are wreaking havoc. And when you... If I didn't know the description you gave about the kids finding the the walkie-talkies, I would think that the people on the BMX bikes were the bandits. (laughs) But they're not. No. They're catching the they're bandits. They're catching the bandits. Did you notice any, did you see any walkie-talkies in the? No, no. no. Um, a, you, a lot of like like assault from people on BMX bikes. Yes. I, the kids are definitely like, like this This would speak to me if I were a parent watching this. It would be like, this is why I don't want to get exactly. my kid a BMX there bike. There was a lot of destruction and all of the destruction, at least in the trailer, appears to be um, at the hands of the BMX or at the wheels 
That's right. Of the BMX bikers. Um, did you notice the the big line of grocery carts? I did. That I they did, not, yes. Now, something that you may have not seen is, did you see this on the movie poster there? That woman, young woman, who's in the central um, part. Did you see her anywhere no, in there? No. Do you know who that is? I do because her name is on the poster. Her name is on the poster. And so that was who Sam <laughs> It was Academy Award winner Nicole Kidman. Nicole Kidman, age 15. This was apparently her first major feature. Was this an Australian film? Um, I don't know. Okay. I don't think so. It didn't seem like it. It It seemed very... And the the voiceover there was um, not um, Australian. So this is Nicole Kidman's apparently first film, film debut. But I'm not sure that she plays any kind of prominent role in the film. Although, to be fair, that tells me nothing about what this movie's about. No. Other than we're going to see a lot of bike hijinks we and are action. We <laughs> bike hijinks and action, villains. Um, so and have you seen BMX Bandits? No. <laughs> Would, does this make you want to watch it? No. Does the fact that Nicole Kidman's in it make you want to watch it? It makes me want to watch parts of it, but it hasn't drawn me in enough to be able to commit what I'm assuming can't possibly be more than 90 minutes. Yeah. I'm no. guessing the runtime on BMX Bandits is about 72. I will say the trailer makes me not not at all interested. Nope. The dis- plot description makes me very, very interested. interested. I agree. It also makes me want to know, just we have walkie-talkies. Like, what? We are not putting them to good use. Like, what could my family actually be doing right. with walkie-talkies? So, now, our next film is, I A think, classic. it's the classic. It is the, um, it's the leader of the genre. It is the film by which all other biking films are judged, and um, that would be what, Sam? It'd be the movie Rad the from movie- 19. 19- Rad, rad exclamation point. Yes. Um, nineteen eighty six. So um now have you did you seen Rad? Yes. Okay, and you I watched this as a child. Rad. I watched Rad as a child. I yes. watched Rad at a sleepover. Oh. Which is also a very good Were you allowed to I mean like would you think it would have oh, been yeah. approved? Yeah. No, no, for it was sure. okay. But this was in the days of like it was a, my my friend's birthday and a bunch of us went over to his house okay, and had a sleepover. Sure. And one of the big selling points was we rented Rad. Oh, my goodness. And uh, so that was, we we huddled around the TV to watch Rad. Um, do you know what the um, number one movie rental for the years 1987 through 1989? Do you know what the number one rented I want it more? to be Rad. But it is. is that, that is impossible. It's, no, it's not. It's shocking. I, I mean, now I guess I could... I, I I haven't looked at, say, what um, my leading source for COVID information, John Hopkins, has to say about whether or not that's true. But my limited amount of research led me to conclude from what, I mean, that Rad was the number one movie rental. Why does that surprise you? Rad, because Rad had a way, way bigger success as a movie rental than it ever did in the theater. Oh, yeah. Like Ferris Bueller's Day Off is the same way, I think. But why wouldn't it be something like Star Wars or Jaws or movies like that? Like why? I think because it's endure. It was enduring. Everyone had seen. I don't. Anyway, well, yeah. let's not. Let's it's, not get distracted by that. Uh, but let's give it some respect. That's, yeah. Because there were lots of movies being rented during those years. You named. This, yes. It's that but is it's, stunning. It's universally appealing, and here's why. So, um, in the movie Rad, the film story focuses on. Um, the main character, his his name is what, Sam? Crew. <laughs> Crew. Crew Jones, played by Bill Allen. Um, he's a young BMX racer who lives in a small town with his mother, played by... 
Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, no, that's right. Um, Talia Shire. Oh, my goodness. From I, Rocky fame. And The Godfather. And from The Godfather, yes. I mean, she's a Coppola, I Right, think. she is. She is a Coppola, yeah, she is. Um, and so, so Hollywood royalty has kissed Holly, this, this movie. This movie, for sure. Crew is faced with a tough decision. The qualifying races for the Hell Track competition are the same day as his SATs, which he must take in order to attend college. I love this. This is, this is such an 80s dilemma to be facing. Because it's also fake. It's like there is right, no like right. this is the one day the, the SATs The one day that are. you can take the SATs. However, winning Hell Track means a lucrative sponsorship deal and fame. <laughs> I think we know what crew chooses. The Hell Track race is endorsed by the city and by villain Duke Best, played by Jack Weston, who is president of the Federation of American Bicyclists, and he's also the owner of a company called Mongoose Bicycles. Best keeps adjusting the rules in order to keep crew out of the race and to ensure that the BMX star, Bart Taylor, who happens to be played by... Bart Connor. Bart Connor. Olympian. The 1984 Olympic gymnastics champion. Bart Connor plays Bart Taylor. Um, And so he wants to... uh, Duke Best wants to keep crew out of the race so that uh, Bart Taylor has an easy road to victory, thus providing a financial windfall for Mongoose Racing, which just so happens to be Bart's sponsor. Now, here's the dilemma. After being blocked from the race due to a last-minute rule change in participant sponsorship, Crew is ready to give up his dreams of winning Helltrack because he doesn't he does not have the same level of sponsorship. That so he's just going to take. Is this a story about a it's, kid who takes the SATs? <laughs> oh, you wish, but no, it's not a choose-your-own-adventure. And his younger sister Wendy gives him a shirt to wear at Helltrack that reads "Crew is rad." rad capitals crew and his friends then come up with an idea for him to still enter the race using the 10 grand that crew won from qualifying which i gotta say in in 1985 10 grand for that is a lot of money that's a lot of sat prep tests um they start up rad racing which becomes a small t-shirt business and i like this i love that they started a t-shirt business very uh, really encapsulates the um entrepreneurial spirit of the 1980s but days before the race, um, ugh, Duke Best changes the rules again, claiming that any company sponsoring a racer has to be worth $50,000. Uh, just an insurmountable. Just arbitrary. Bar, just crazy. When the townspeople hear about this, they rally around Crew and his friends. And with their contributions, along with a generous donation from a wealthy local, Mr. Timmer, played by Ray Walston, Rad Racing comes up with enough money, and Jones is finally able to enter Helltrack. I'm not going to ruin the ending, okay? Because I want people to go and watch this. But uh, let's definitely go to the trailer. Well, well, beforehand, let's think about Rad Racing as a t-shirt company. Now, obviously, the number one t-shirt is the crew is rad. Crew is rad. Mm -hmm. What do you think the number two t-shirt that they sell is? I think it says 780 verbal. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Let's go to the trailer. Ooh, it's a tri-star picture. Oh, yeah, picture. it's a tri-star picture. It's a good quality. Is crew. Hey, good looking. BMX is his world. Rad is his way of life. So we're seeing a bunch of a bunch of uh, like tricks and stuff, yep. right? Although this is about motocross or it's like about, bike cross yes. racing. Oh. A lot of spills happening on the bikes. Oh, there she is. Talia Shire is so overqualified. <laughs> <I know. laughs> 
Is that Lori Loughlin? Oh, yes. See, where it's coming up. Such raw determination and talent. This is such a perfect 80s movie. It is. We've got blonde feathered hair on men. We've got big money fixers. Bart Connor looks like William Zabka. He does. Here's the music. Love the music. Wow, that is fantastic. Oh, is that not so good? So um, feel free to start with your observations. I've got a couple. Well, but, I, I love that, and, and this this came in the plot description. Now, this is a much better trailer because it actually yes. talks oh, about the movie a, that you described. This is a TriStar Pictures yeah. production, as yeah. you mentioned. Uh, and, and what I love is that there's a lot of great 80s themes here. There's the, like... You have again. He uh, Bart Connor looks like uh, Johnny Lawrence. He looks like yes. William Zabka. Yep, the fl- um, yep, the fluffy so, blonde hair. So you have like the kid from the wrong side yep. of the tracks. You have like the corporations trying to take over this artwork, and how can you know like I believe th- big money fixers. Yeah. Now what's interesting about this is so much of this is about BMX tricks. Where the race is not about tricks. The race tricks. is not the about The race tricks. is just about racing. It's a dirt racing. bike race. Yeah. yeah. No, um, there were, we had two classic, in the trailer alone, there were two classic scenes where the rich kids are in the rich kid car, mm-hmm. you know, cruise on his bike. Yeah. And they're all talking about, um, you know, how he's never going to beat Bart the man. Um, we had random red haired kid. Always good to throw in a little ginger there. A young kid about 13 saying, I you'll never lo- beat Bart. I would love his Bart Taylor t-shirt. I wonder if there's a place <laughs> you can get that online. <laughs> that would be pretty great. Although yes. he's the bad guy, but it would still That's be cool. That's okay. That's what I think is like, it's like, you know, how Cobra Kai has made a big yeah. comeback. So no, for sure. Um, you did notice the love interest. You mentioned her there um, at Hell Track. Crew meets um, a beautiful young lady named Christian Holland, who's played by Lori Laughlin, as you noted, um, Christian and crew actually meet at the local high school dance where instead of dancing like the other couples at the high school dance, they actually perform freestyle bike stunts on the dance floor. And they show just a little clip just, of that in there. The bike dancing is is pretty amazing. Yes. Now, did you I I had no familiarity with Bill Allen who plays crew? No, Are you familiar uh, not with at Bill all. Allen? Does he go so, on to do um, anything? Or? Well, he goes on to appear as the character Roger Sloat in the 1987 Family Ties episode, Matchmaker. Uh-oh. Do you remember Matchmaker? I do from your description here. I remember the yeah. episode. I don't remember him specifically. But yeah. yeah. Well, he is essentially Alex's pick to go out with Mallory. Alex uses Jennifer's computer to be able to find Mallory the perfect date and Bill Allen plays her date. Um, yeah, so something Alex can't understand is that it this this approach doesn't work. This is also the episode where um, Steven is dead set against dehumanizing computer games, but after a computer is rented for the kids' homework, he gets hooked himself. Okay, and let's Elise talk gets about hooked too. Let's talk about the things you said that rented a computer, yeah. right? And the sense that like the computer, like you just. It's not like there's a program for matchmaking. He just like typed in some names and it was like, hey, here's yep. a person. Like it, it that's how we it. thought about yep. computers back then. Yep, that's he. he it it uh, the, the episode doesn't really 
hold up from a technological standpoint. Um, but at the same time, logical. it presages the future. It absolutely does. And I think Stephen's concerns have come full circle. That's now right. it's completely valid. Yes. So um, Bill Allen also, he goes on to be in an episode of China Beach, oh. um, which is a show I never watched. But, but actually, now that I'm an adult, great. the soundtrack was great. Um, and now as an adult, I'm like, I bet I would really like yeah. China Beach. I love Dana Delaney. So um, yeah. But then other other things that you observed there. I will say this makes me want to watch it. Like the, tra- oh, yeah. the trailer actually does make me want to watch this. And one other thing I need to say about Rad, um, for a long time, Rad was not available on DVD. And I know this. Because it was still so popular on VHS tape. It must be. I know this because when I got Netflix, I remember how you had your mm. Netflix queue and you put in, okay, here's what yep, thing yep. I want. I remember one of the first things I put in is like, I'd love to watch the movie Rad again. And I put it in there and it was not available on DVD yet. Now, I don't get DVDs via Netflix anymore because nobody does. But I bet in my Do they queue, still offer you that? still can, oh, you can yeah okay. I bet in my queue somewhere it is the only thing in there because I used to check my queue occasionally and it would still say rad not available on DVD oh. I assume it is now I hope it is now I would hope so too I um thought to myself I'll totally watch rad with my kids yeah like I think now I think it's going to be we're gonna watch it for enter- entertainment sh- something to just you know have a good laugh um and enjoy i also love rad because rad takes itself really seriously oh yeah yeah like this is for sure and it's got again all these elements um small town versus sort of corporate culture corporate takeover um rich rich kid poor kid i think this is single a, mom i think this is an episode uh, so we'll do a little on-air production meeting yeah an episode is what is the formula for an 80s movie okay. because there there is like a scientific formula yeah. you could come up with to create an 80s movie yeah and it's possible that the common denominator denominator for all of them is bikes and single moms yeah like, yeah those, those well are big be, pieces that may those be what we come pieces. down to now the last film um is not one that i've seen but it's one that that you apparently I'm have sure seen. i have yeah i um, mean i feel like this is our recommendation so rad's great for a family i think this mm-hmm. would be a great thing to sort of close out the summer with here as we all get ready to head back to school bmx bandits i'm not sure who i can recommend that to because i'm not gonna go bother to does maybe nicole kidman fans I was, say, does, I was say does nicole kidman have kids because like they might she like does. Watch, they, they might, might like that. that yep she does and then this one is actually i think this is perfect for i think this will speak to our generation it's great for if you're in your 40s and you need something that you now feels a little bit more relatable um and that is the film quicksilver 1986 starring kevin bacon so um sam for quicksilver the premise is that um jack casey well first of all i guess i'm gonna ask you this if you look at the poster for quicksilver um can you just read what the tagline is there? It says, speeding towards the final and deadly showdown. And looking at the poster, what so what is see, it saying to you? So you see Bacon is is kind of front and center on his uh, on his bike with the curly racing handles. And everything behind him is like, there's it's like a cityscape, but it's in motion. So it's yep. like motion blurred. Yep. He's um, got those gloves on that don't have the fingers, mm-hmm. right? They're he's just, got a bag strapped he's over got his a bag, shoulder. He, um, no helmet to speak of. And this looks like good a hair, dangerous... Though. Oh, super good hair. This looks like a very dangerous place to be biking, especially without a helmet. Well, Kevin Bacon plays Jack Casey. He's a young floor trader who loses all of his companies and his family's savings on a risky business decision. Clearly, from looking at the poster. Deflated and disenchanted with his profession, he quits his job. And becomes a bicycle messenger. And always without a helmet, as I noted, Casey has to deal with his parents and his girlfriend, who are all disappointed with his new job. 
Although frustrated, Casey enjoys the freedom that comes with his lower level of responsibility. He also uses his education and business acumen to help his new co-workers, and I'm looking forward to us learning more about them. When some of them are involved in dangerous or difficult matters, Casey must decide whether he should become involved. Those matters <laughs> lead to a sinister web of murder and intrigue, of course. So, yes, this is where we, uh, I think, do we, let's see here. So that completely makes sense. So um, he later is going to make a killing on the stock market, restoring his family's fortune and securing his friend's financial future. This is a story of redemption and rising out of the ashes that is sure to make you want to ride a single-speed city cruiser with long hair. Because that's how we rolled in the 80s. Now, my memory of this movie is mostly how terrified I was during the scenes where he's riding his bike through New York City traffic. And you're terrified because he doesn't have a helmet on? Just because, like, like, a movie like Rad, they're in a small town. Now, I don't know why the small town has a $50,000, like, hell track. (laughs) But it's like, it's, there's a lot of, like, rural small town. There's, like, there's... There's a lot of landscape to bike in, right? E.T., there's a lot of landscape to bike in. He is biking through, navigating cars and, like, New York City traffic. Well, yeah. and, I mean, this is his new job. I mean, he's a messenger. Right. It's dangerous. Right. And it is kind of sad to me because if he'd been aware of Hell Track, and we heard at the end that actually the grand prize for Hell Track is $100,000, I feel like problem solved. You right. don't need to right. go get yourself a whole new job. <laughs> yeah, I I just that what's what amazes me is you told me the rest of this story and that there's a lot of other like danger and intrigue and all yeah. I can remember was being scared that he was going to get hit. That's all you on remember? Wow! I was a kid when I saw this. Like I probably okay. saw this in the 80s. Well, this wasn't targeted right. at me, but nothing was. This so. is what you'd be afraid of now, yeah. right? Like these these other elements that become clear are what our nervousness would be now as people watching this in our 40s. Should, is, we, should we watch the trailer? Yeah, let's do. Oh, Columbia Pictures, so quality. I love that theme of like dropping out. You know exactly. <laughs> a little bit of bike dancing there. Too. Bike dancing. It is. Is that Lawrence Fishburne? What's he doing here? This movie looks great. Like I, I have tears in my eyes. 
<laughs> wow, that looks like... Uh, well, now, First of all, it is. It's actually San Francisco. Oh, weird. Yeah. Why mm-hmm. would they do it in San Francisco? I don't know, because it's known as being... Well, I mean, there there is the... There's the Transamerica building. I don't yeah, know, but yeah. like, it's not what you think. It's probably cheaper to film, maybe at that oh, point. Oh, that could be. That could be. Yeah, I love that. It's clearly this movie that's like questioning like corporate greed. Oh yeah, right? no. But at the same time, it sure seems like by the end he's just back in the game. Oh, he is, and he uses he gets back in the game and then uses his prowess to then sort of bring up. Right. Sort of, you know, like um, the tide, ri- all boats rise or whatever, all of his friends around him. Um, I feel like there's a lot to learn here. Um, Jack Casey clearly knew about and embraced self-care and work boundaries long before the rest of us. I mean, he was yeah. like, I'm done. I'm out. The stress of his job and finance was too much. And he took control and he found something that he enjoyed. But then he went back to that stressful job. That's the part that, that's so interesting. No, I agree. I agree. But I think maybe he still maybe he still delivers packages in his spare time or as a hobby on the weekend. Um did you notice the love interest in there? I didn't I, I saw her. It was but who Jamie wasn't? Gertz. Oh who's in Gertz. I Gertz, don't know. Yeah, yeah. yeah, who is in a lot of nineteen um eighties movies and has made a little bit of a comeback lately. Um and he actually saves her from a gang. She's in a gang in the movie, and I don't know if that's because they had her wear a, um, a knit beanie in oh, one particular sure, scene. Sure. And she actually has a little bit of a, I guess what I'm just going to call generic gang accent. Um, so if you watch, you know, I at least picked up on that. I don't know if you remember that, but she's kind of got a, a tough girl. Like attitude? I guess or? from okay. Hate ashbury I'm not really, sure. I'm not really sure. And you picked up on... One of um, my another... favorite actors that, and 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 actually seeing this, I now I know I saw this because I remember seeing Lawrence Fishburne in this movie. Yes, and he's I love Lawrence Fishburne. Yes, so Lawrence Fishburne sort of becomes his his sidekick. It's like bike kind of mentor. His, a his bike bit. mentor, exactly. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Um, He'd be the person who would say, "Hey, Kevin Bacon, you want to ride bikes?" Yes, exactly. So I happened to look at the um like the cast list for this film after seeing like, oh my gosh, Lawrence Fishburne is in here, and um I just was wondering if you could go ahead and if you could read for us this list of um, characters that are All in right. the film. So the, the movie Quicksilver includes characters named Gypsy, <laughs> Voodoo. That would be Lawrence Fishburne. Oh. oh. Airborne, <laughs> Tiny, Apache, Shorty, Educated, yep. <laughs> Dedicated, yep. and finally Terry. <laughs> Is Terry the, the love interest? Terry. Terry is the love interest. It would be too complicated. Because he could never fall in love with Airborne. No. Yeah, so I mean, if you were just looking at this list of names, at no point do we, um, I don't know, land at Normandy. Like, there's, I don't. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, this one is, um, I, you've seen it, but I'm going to find it because I. Let me know when you're going to watch Quicksilver. I I will. will, Because like my, I can feel that my serotonin just rose dramatically during that. So plus, it's a great like mid eighties bacon. Like this is a it good. Totally this, is, I mean, no. It's always time for Kevin yep. Bacon, but like this is a pretty good. Oh Kevin, no, and I love you know, um, listeners. You didn't get to see it, but at the beginning, when he's all stressed out by the stock market job, it's like it's like tight and buttoned up. Kevin Bacon, his hair is slicked back, very Gordon Gecko kind of mm-hmm. looking with his suit, and then we see him, you know, as the transition gets made, and he's finding himself. He's wandering the streets wearing a uh, leather jacket with a white t shirt, and his hair's just kind of flowy, and then. By by the end, he's wearing a fedora 
on his bike. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. not a helmet, but a pretty a pretty fancy hat. Yeah. So I, I yeah. this is this is on the must see list. Do you think you I mean, when I'm looking at these nicknames, I you know, I just I was thinking what nicknames we have, and so I don't. So yeah, did you did you have a did you ever have it? Have you ever know. had a nickname? Well, I mean, not one that not like a descriptive, not one a like descriptive this. one. I don't know if we go back to like maybe a, a good way to kind of help us segue out here is if we go back to the presidential fitness test. I feel like you'd be sitting, I'd be reach. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> At least yours is more active. Reach is like <laughs> well, aspirational. Saying, yeah. But, <laughs> but because of your 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 height and your yeah, yeah. limited flexibility, you're sitting on reach. I'll take that. So. I'll take that. <laughs> yes. Uh well I feel like I have just figured I mean it's only Tuesday, but I figure like I feel like I've already figured out what my family's gonna be up to this weekend. That's right. Yeah, it's all it's all laid out laid out for us. I'm gonna start training for that presidential fitness test and the SAT. <laughs> and health track. That's right. Well that comes that goes without saying. I think presidential fitness test is like the first step on your way to health track. <laughs> I'm gonna agree with that. So and wear your helmet, kids. That's right. That's right. We are a pro helmet podcast. We are. We are a hundred percent a pro helmet. Well, podcast. Amy, that is all the time we have. Please get a hold of us, channel thirty nine hundred yes. at gmail dot com. And in the immortal words of Billy Ocean, when the going gets tough. Oh, the going get the tough get going. Thanks for listening to Latchkey Kids. Email us at channel3900 at gmail.com and subscribe to the Channel 3900 Podcast Network on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Podcasts.